Week 7, Session 5 Wisdom's Promised Land Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 Implosion or Inheritance This week, we have teased out the reality that there is often a gap between what we know to be true and our ability to live that truth out. We are educated way beyond the level of our obedience. It is the gap between words and works, and it is bridged by wisdom, the ability to make truth and apply it to life. Wisdom is linked closely to character, and it requires a process of character building if it is to grow. This course equips you for personal transformation, and the connection between new truth and the ability to apply it is a fundamental building block to change. This process of developing wisdom has three major phases. Firstly, we've seen the call phase. A new or highlighted truth comes our way and we realize that God has shown us a revised picture of what normal looks like. We might have an experience, read a scripture, witness a miracle, or listen to someone whose life shows remarkable fruit. It is a call to change our life. This call is usually a two-sided coin and it is the presence of both facets, revelation and baptism, that can indicate to us that God is at work. The revelation is the embracing of the reality and potential of change. It might be Joseph's dream, Moses' burning bush, Jesus' dove, or simply a word from God that speaks deeply to your soul. The baptism is a divinely assisted burning of our bridges, a cutting off the old life in a way that makes return impossible. Immediately after the call comes the wilderness of character change. It is here that we are taught to feed off every word that comes from God and we are drawn to intimacy. In the wilderness, the truth we received is challenged because its fruit has not yet come. We have been given a picture of where our thinking should start now, but we continue to revert to old ways of thinking. We are challenged to either reduce our theology back to the level of our experience or to continue to contend until our lives can begin to rise to the level of the call. The size of the gap between the revelation of what can be, compared to what is, is the size of our discomfort in the wilderness. This gap might also be described as the difference in capacity of our inner worlds compared to our outer worlds. The inner world is our ability to endure, to have faith, and to find rest. It is the level of our resilience and the ability to experience peace in the storms of life. Our outer worlds might be defined as our ability to do things, to perform, It might include our personality, our giftings, and our natural abilities that impress the world. We are made up of both inner and outer worlds, but it is the outer that generally perceives the revelation or call to change. When we hear a new truth or get a vision for what should be, our outer world seems to inflate to embrace a new potential. We speak differently, think differently, act differently. However, it is the size of the inner world that determines the ability to live in that new place. The wilderness is a place that deeply frustrates the outer person, but progressively builds the inner. If the work of the wilderness is avoided, then the outer world will eventually recede back to the level of the inner. It is an inevitable implosion. You can't live by theories in the absence of facts. You can't always fake it till you make it. Your outer world will always be determined over the long term by the state of your inner world. It is from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. This is where the wilderness can turn into a desert, a place of wandering where truth is known, but there is a refusal to apply it. 
But if God's work is allowed to continue, our inner world grows to equal or exceed our outer world. Our character begins to determine a new state for our lives. The abundance of the heart within begins to embrace and extend the truth of the original call. This is the transition to the third phase of the process of gaining wisdom, the promised land. It is a place of commissioning, a realization of the call, the gaining of inheritance. But the experience is so much deeper than the theory, the walk is so much more comprehensive than the original word. The Place of Partnership As Moses' friend Joshua looked out for the second time over the promised land to his people, it is hard to appreciate what was in his mind. On the outside, he was a rock, immovable and determined, but on the inside, it was probably a different story. It had to be, because look at what God was saying to him. Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. More than anyone else, Joshua knew what was before them. The land was wild and uncultivated, full of enemies who would fight to the last man, full of giants who would destroy and intimidate. He had been here before, 40 years earlier, scouting out the land for Moses. The people with him now were no stronger than they had been before, but now they were obedient. That's what the wilderness does. It doesn't grow out of strength, but it develops inner strength, a determination to hear and follow God's word. And why would God be so encouraging to Joshua? Why would he promise to be with Joshua and help him? Because he would need it. Joshua understood that the promised land isn't a place where you go it alone, or where the time of guidance and support is over. It is a transition away from God working for you to God working through you. The Hebrews couldn't take this land, not a chance, and neither can you walk in the truth God has shown you. You aren't supposed to. It's bigger than you, just as the giants were bigger than Joshua. The life God calls us to is always impossible to live in our own strength. That's why it's called a walk of faith. We never stop relying on him. The promised land isn't the finish line, it's the start line. When the promised land adventure started for Joshua and the Israelites, the manna stopped. That is significant. Now it was time to work with God, to partner with him, to exercise their role in the world. Remember Gideon and the command God gave for him to go in the strength you have. That's a promised land statement. He was being served notice that the wilderness was over and it was time to walk in the inheritance. The promised land is no walk in the park. If it was, we wouldn't need a wilderness to prepare us for it. However, it is a place where God goes with us, empowering us on the way. When Jesus came out of his wilderness, Luke 4.14 states, He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He then brought forth his manifesto, declaring that he would set the captives free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is the commissioning. There is first the call, then the wilderness, and then the commissioning of the promised land. Jesus, amazingly, needed to be matured. In Hebrews 5.8, it says, He learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect became the source of eternal salvation. He had let the wilderness do its work. To the world, he would have appeared at his commissioning as an overnight success. Who was this guy? Where did he come from? Where did he get that power and authority? But there is no such thing as an overnight success in the kingdom. God always starts small, builds us up, building faith and intimacy, testing faithfulness until our inner world begins to overflow to the outer world, 
and people say, hey, where did they come from? The promised land is a place of partnership with God. Jesus' ministry was signified by this methodology. I do what I see the Father doing. I say what he is saying. It's not a place of universal and immediate overcoming, but of permission and power to take incremental and ongoing steps. We sometimes carry a myth that to experience God's promised land means that God will always grant a breakthrough suddenly, that his provision will come suddenly, that the world will be saved suddenly. And when we read the book of Acts, the word suddenly appears quite a few times. So it's not like God can't or won't do that. But predominantly, those events come amid the people of God praying through persecution, singing in prison, or determining to act in the face of death. Are you really wanting to live constantly in an environment of the sudden breakthrough? The normal day-to-day life of the New Testament saints, and for us too, is one of a consistent promised land partnership. Each battle is won individually, each tactic different from the last. There are no prescriptions and formulas in the promised land because formulas rob us of faith. Rather, there is a relationship that was forged in the wilderness. The promised land for us is not a destination, it's a lifestyle. It's not a finish line, but a start line. A river of life. There is something significant in the whole dynamic of transformation and the way God works it out through us gaining wisdom. And it is this, the call to a more abundant life often comes to us when we are in a place where it's all about us. We are looking to find a greater experience of Christianity, wanting to deal with our past, wanting to grow up in our faith. That is where it starts. That's where God finds us. But after the wilderness, we notice a shift in the focus of our attention. The call remains, but the experience of it is less about us and more about the God we are partnering with. And the more our focus turns to God, the more our heart turns to the lives of others. The promised land is not about us to any great extent. It is about God. It is about his people and his agenda. We lose part of our self-concerned old nature somewhere in the desert, like an old garment we don't need anymore. Have you realized that your journey of transformation is less about you and more about how you affect the world you live in? God is interested in you, certainly. But the power of his love is so compelling that if we are experiencing it, our introspection is less required. More than that, we have such an abundance in our heart that it simply must overflow. We are rivers, not lakes. We were never created to try and store up and protect the provision God has for us. Heaven operates from an abundance, and when heaven comes to earth, that abundance flows out of us as well. This is the ultimate end of wisdom, that heaven's reality intersects earth's reality. That was God's original design, and he hasn't changed his mind. Our agenda will become God's agenda, his heart, our heart. We will do what we see him doing, say what he is saying. In the wake of our love for God, there will always be a proportional love for people. It is the fruit of our relationship with him. God's love and his mercy are new every morning. We can't store it up for tomorrow. It needs to be used today. Empowerment needs an outlet, and when we find ourselves in the promised land, the true fruit of that will be a day-by-day relationship with God and a life that gives away what has been received. Jesus said in John 8.36, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. We are not just free, we are free indeed. We are truly free, fully free. We are free indeed. 
Our deeds display freedom. That which is within will find its way out and will impact the people we live with. This course is not your wilderness. This course is not your promised land. This course is a call. It presents you with revelations of what is possible in God and with a cutting off of the past. Now wisdom needs to do its work in you, a powerful work that changes you and changes those around you. Now you need to plan for your wilderness. It may not be dry. It may not include wandering. God writes a new story for every person. But we give you insight into this process so you can understand a little of what is happening in your life. That truth revealed is not yet truth applied. Give yourself permission to take a journey. God does. He is in this for the long haul with you. But at this point, it may pay to take stock of what it is that God has shown you. What might be the new normal he is inviting you to? What truths has he given you that you want to adopt as part of your life? What has he empowered you to cut off? What does the promised land look like from where you are right now? God says to you, as he said to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Your journal. What does the promised land look like from where you are right now? God says to you, as he said to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Consider your response to this command and journal your thoughts. Thank you.